Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church, and we're located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, the Worship Executive and Director of Liturgical Resources. I'm Derek Weber, the Director of Preaching Ministries. I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchon, the Director of Music Ministries. And together we will discuss how to plan worship using the Common Lectionary while creating worship series that are engaging and relevant and adaptable for your church setting. However, during these unprecedented days of physical distancing and leading online worship, we've endeavored to provide conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help those worshiping with us to stay engaged and to feel connected even from a distance. Today's episode is going to be a conversation with Olu Brown. He serves as the lead pastor of Impact Church, a young congregation in the East Point community of metropolitan Atlanta. With Olu's vision and leadership since its founding in 2007, Impact has grown from a core team of 25 people to more than 2,400 attendees each Sunday in person and 1,600 online. With a $4 million budget, it is listed at number five in the 25 fastest growing large United Methodist churches in the 2008 edition. Olu strongly believes in an active church, one that makes a meaningful impact in the lives of individuals and communities. Impact is a multicultural community committed to doing church differently. And Impact redefines the church experience through inclusiveness, relatable messages, energetic weekly gatherings, unique events and activities, relevant youth programs, and community outreach. The people of impact are compelled to bring healing, justice, and compassion to the world. So welcome, Reverend Brown. We are excited to have you together to talk with us about wonderful things happening at Impact, United Methodist Church. But before we get to that specific, I want to say thank you for your sermon during the Festival of Homiletics. I was, as the preaching guy, I pay attention to that and enjoyed your sermon about imagination and and imagining God's new world as it is coming. I see that it connects very well with your motto, your church motto, doing church differently. And that fascinates us. So could you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by and what the church means by doing church differently? Well, thank you to each of you for this opportunity and to share more about our local church We turned 13 years old this year, and it has been a journey every year. I was thinking about where we currently are in this global pandemic. We started in 2007, and in the next year, there was literally a housing market drop. And so every year of our experience, we've had some uh, local, national, or global phenomenon that has impacted us, which really helps us to live out this theme of doing church differently and what it means to stay steadfast and focused on the bottom line. And that's really reaching people for Jesus Christ. So essentially doing church differently for us is more than brick and mortar. 
It's about how we view ministry as a whole. Do we see ourselves as agents of change? Do we see buildings not as brick and mortar, but as facilities that facilitate ministry? And then how do we see ourselves deploying people into the mission field? And I was thinking earlier today around leadership after a conversation and and what it means to discern people who are leaders and then uh, to develop them and then essentially to deploy them and then task them with making disciples uh, to duplicate. So that's a little bit about doing church differently, uh, what we've done. Of course, there are different things that we do as it relates to worship and small groups and missions and outreach. But it all begins with this uh, philosophy of how we think about church that informs the way we do church. So when we met uh, earlier, you said something about the the impact is designed to be the church of today and tomorrow at the same time. So help us understand what you mean by that. Is that a technological issue? Is that a philosophical issue or all of, all of the above? Well, it's a little bit of all. Um, we'll use technology, for example, when the pandemic hit and this tremendous tragedy that we're facing around the world, there were a lot of concerns with local churches around generosity and how would they sustain themselves. And so when we lived out doing church differently uh, 13 years ago, and even to today, we knew we needed to invest in technology platforms. We knew we needed it, one, because that is the current culture and it's wise to do it, but it's also a wave of the future. And so as we started experiencing the pandemic as other local churches, because we had taken seriously some of the technology of today, then we were also prepared for tomorrow. Now, that's not to say uh, that churches weren't prepared or wise if they didn't make certain investments in technology, but it also means that if we're to be a church of today and tomorrow, we have to be very wise. We have to be uh, very forward thinking about not only the spiritual investments that we make, but what are some of the structural, what are some of the uh, strategic investments that we need to be making today that help us bridge the tide as things change tomorrow. So what are some examples of of this technology foundation that you've built on? How how have you actually used it during worship or or even beyond? Well, you think about the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Um, I believe if uh, the same texts were written today, uh, there would have been an addition to say, use uh, social media and go into all the world or, or use uh, your smartphone and go into all the world. And so what we believe uh, to be the Great Commission is facilitated in part, not only through people, but also technology that's available. So earlier on in our journey, we uh, started to broadcast our worship experiences. Initially, we would do those audio only and they weren't live, but we would post them to our website, and then people uh, could go throughout the week and listen uh, uh, to the audio version of our worship. Then we upgraded to live audio, and then we upgraded to video. Of course, not live, but you you could watch it uh, after. And then finally, where we are today, doing live audio and video, and of course, on demand. And so what we found is that it really is a part of the Great Commission to go into all the world. Because physically, and it doesn't matter how large a a congregation uh, is, uh, physically we can't 
go into all the world. Mm -hmm. And we think about the average congregation in, in America being about 75 people um, with those individuals who are great, wonderful Christian individuals to fulfill that commission. How do you leverage 75 people? You have to be able to use technology. And that's a, uh, an amazing large vision of, of what the church can do, the impact it can have on the community around it too, which, which I really appreciate. But, but let's bring it back in a little more specifically into the actual worship service itself. What, what is the role of technology and the interactivity of, of the worship attenders during, during the act of worship? Well, we see technology in different ways when we think about individuals who may have difficulty hearing uh, technology from a uh, PA standpoint. You know, your microphone and speaker actually helps to raise the volume of voice or song to a level that can help individuals who are having hearing challenges hear better. And often we don't think about um, our speaker and microphone as technology, but those mm -hmm. are forms of technology. When we think about <clears throat> the introduction of screens or some churches may have a flat screen TV that's large, that's um, somewhere positioned in the sanctuary or worship space, there are people who are having seeing challenges and may not be able to read uh, 12 point. 12-point font in a uh, bulletin or a hymnal or a biblical text, but they can see it at uh, 60 font that is listed on the screen or the uh, television that's in front of them. So technology in some sense uh, breaks down certain barriers uh, that some people may have related to physical difficulty or other types of challenges that they may be facing. But then we see technology that is an extension of evangelism. <clears throat> so imagine uh, being in a worship experience, and this would happen with churches that may have a multiple experience. So uh, imagine there's a uh, two experience um, uh, occasion happening on that Sunday. And so at the first experience, you encourage people to take out your cell phones and text a friend or a neighbor, send them a post on social media and say, we love worship today. Uh, please join us. And so it can also be used as forms of, um, of evangelism, but so many different uses of technology. And as we're discovering in our current culture, there are uses that we never even imagined that we're having to uh, invest in now and getting great return on the use of technology. What, what would you say? Um, Cause when I've talked about technology, particularly during the act of worship, say get out your cell phone and, and, uh, answer this poll or, or send a question. Uh, I've heard many people say, well, they're worried about the distraction factor that, that once people get their cell phones out, they've tuned out what else is going around them and they're, they're scrolling the internet or, or checking social media. How, what is your response to, to that fear that people have about the use of technology during worship? Well, some of the fear is true and we will experience distraction, but what happens in the local church also happens in the world and it's on us and our responsibility to make sure we're engaging people and checking in with people enough to manage their attention spans. You know, one uh, quote that I often give is the average attention span of an adult is about seven seconds. And so that's true for the grocery store. That's true for the movie. <clears throat> that's true for any number of things that people are engaged in. And so the church is uh, a part of the culture and we like other um, parts of the culture have to be sensitive 
to the attention span and consistently not entertain people or give them a show, but realizing that people are coming from uh, different walks of life and it's our responsibility to uh, check and maintain uh, engagement. But I believe the benefits of using the technology uh, are more positive than the negative. That's good. I, I also remember in our conversation that, that you talked about giving and how that's based on the technology and all of that. And so as we transition to talking about when we return or, or the changes that are coming, uh, do you see an advantage to electronic ways of giving so we're not passing plates and all that? That's one of the debates that's going on now about reopening churches. Can we pass a plate? And you have these other means. I think you said that they have nine different ways you have of giving to the church. So how did that yeah, develop? Yeah. Well, we initially started with um, two or three ways. And when we think about most churches across the country, there are two forms of generosity uh, that they can receive, and that's cash or check. And uh, even in this pandemic, there are a lot of churches that are, are still focused on those two areas which of course are gonna to have to make some adjustments. But there are just some other issues around cash and check, around people not having checks or enough stock or not having enough cash. And so early on, we saw the future that we needed to make some shifts. And so people can give via their debit, their credit cards, uh, platforms like Cash App, text to give if you're watching online around the world, you can uh, click give and give to uh, PayPal. And so each of these ways are digital forms of giving. And so before the pandemic, our digital uh, giving threshold or percentage was about 60% of our income. So now I'm sure it's uh, roughly 90%, although people still uh, mail in uh, generosity to the church. And we value and appreciate all forms of generosity, but we realized that um, in light of this pandemic and just the way the world is uh, headed, we have to uh, focus more on the digital platforms and encourage those. Sometimes folks will say, well, we have older adults, but helping them to feel more comfortable with those forms of giving. You can do tutorials, you can do training, coaching, um, but this is the wave, not of the future, but it is our now. And I tell churches often, it's not that people don't have generosity to give, it's that we're not prepared to receive it. And so God has more resources than we can ever imagine, but we have to create the avenues for people to share the generosity that God has given them. And so what I hear from you is that a lot of what you have planned for has been very helpful during this time. And so how, have, how do you feel you maintain the discipleship of, of the congregation? Are, are people still being connected and being raised up in their faith, being built up as, as the body? And, and what, what are the primary means that you have seen during this time? Well, I've been telling our team, we're actually going to come uh, out of this pandemic stronger than when we entered into the pandemic and stronger in a lot of different ways. But one of the uh, most significant ways is as it relates to our connection to each other. And so when we think about technology, again, there is this high tech and low tech. And so often our conversation is about high tech, but we've seen in this pandemic, there's been a reintroduction of low tech uh, technology, meaning picking up a telephone and actually calling someone. 
And so we've had great benefit from that. We've heard from our impactors, some congregations would say members. Uh, we received a phone call. Thank you so much. But it's really been an opportunity to engage lay people uh, to be the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so those are examples. We've kept people engaged, of course, not being able to go face to face to a hospital. Uh, some of those calls may be uh, virtual video or it may be audio staying connected with individuals, praying with them. Uh, even uh, there are times when there are uh, support sessions that happen uh, virtually. Uh, we also have a monthly um, uh, support session that we host in different subjects. Um, May is uh, mental um, health awareness. And so that was our support uh, session. And uh, even this Sunday for the uh, sermon, we'll speak towards uh, mental health awareness. Um, we also have small groups that meet and those meet virtually. And we, um, had, I believe, uh, 25 of those that launched this past week, 20 to 25 of those. And they range from a number of subjects, but they're primarily taught by lay people. We call them hosts. Uh, our clergy team, we're in the minority as it relates to hosting. Um, I'm hosting one and, uh, that's not the norm. It's typically lay people who are doing that. And so those are some of the ways that we're staying spiritually grounded and connected beyond uh, our Sunday morning uh, format. Reverend Brown, um, I love hearing, you know, how so many churches are reaching out to people in small groups this way. And that's fantastic. And it makes me think about when we go back, whatever going back is, um, what is that going to look like? So have you thought about your church impact and what is it going to look like when you get to gather again? Mm. And those are some of the things that we're working through now. We've discovered we can do a lot more with less. And so one of the things that's going to happen when we go back is a mental shift and a behavior shift. There were some things that we put emphasis on and invested in historically that we're discovering weren't as vital as we thought they were. And so there's a shift in the way we do ministry uh, and go back. So a second um, change will be in the way we connect physically with people, in particular as it relates to children, youth ministries, uh, and adult ministries. And so what does it look like to practice some sense of social distancing, but yet be face-to-face? -face? And so there are a lot of different connection points um, that we've got to think through. We also, as a church, um, were in a building um, project that was slated to kick off this year. And so now as we have conversations with the architect, there are going to be some different uh, conversations that we have related to space use and how we um, can utilize this space differently than we would have uh, pre-COVID-19. I do believe that there will be the physical use of space again across our society. Although um, how we use that space, how we clean that space, and how we protect those who are under our care will be different. So I don't see uh, churches uh, demolishing brick and mortar. Uh, I think those that will be building will build differently and those who have existing will utilize those spaces differently. So those are some of the things that I'm um, seeing that will adjust when things return to whatever they are. And I noticed in the introduction, um, your numbers, you, you were having like, I think if I remember correctly, 2,400 in place and 1,600 
online. Do you think those numbers are going to change uh, afterwards? And that's a question a lot of people are asking in the local church. Um, my hope is that both numbers will rise slightly, um, but the in-person will take uh, some time to see those numbers reflect what they were in the past. But I think a year or two from now, all churches should hopefully see a slight rise in online participation mm -hmm. and in-person uh, participation. You know, people may surprise us uh, when things reopen fully and uh, come back to church in ways that we didn't expect. And in some cases, we may never see some of those individuals again for a long time. But I do believe it is wise to invest in thinking, uh, money, partnership in the online format of church, because I believe that's where you're going to see some of the greatest increase of participation. So, Olu, I can recall in the um, in the uh, gymnasium of the or the auditorium of the school where you all once worshipped. Or are you? You're not there now, are you? You're, no, our own permanent site now. Okay. Yes. So um, I, I really appreciate you walking us through the development of technology and how it has served the congregation. That was, that was great to hear. I hadn't really realized how the trajectory of uh, technology had served you al along the way. Uh, so you all have sort of been in that mode for a while. So most recently, as the virtual community is expanding, um, what challenges have you um, perceived uh, around the virtual community? You said once in a, a conversation that you meet folk who worship with you every week while you're on the road and they do not live in Atlanta. Uh, so what, what challenges are, are you faced with in this news? this most recent development of virtual community, if any. Yeah, and we face challenges like everyone else. Um, some are generational challenges, you know, thinking that to the way I grew up, although I remember going to um, homes in my community and still seeing, in particular, older adults who had black and white TVs that had the antenna system to now uh, seeing TVs that you can only buy flat and they're getting thinner and thinner. And so I think about how technology has evolved just in, in my lifetime. Uh, one of our impactors informed us that her aunt passed away yesterday and she was 105 years old. And so you can only imagine the things that she's seen in 105 years. And so for some of the technology, we're experiencing generational gaps, meaning that there are certain generations of people and uh, I'm one of those that I cannot fully embrace having a 100% relationship with you that is virtual. There's a part of that that seems for us to be missing something. But there are generations of people who have nothing but virtual relationships and are extremely close to those individuals. You take the gaming community. When I grew up, we had a Nintendo and there were three or four of us in a room, and that was our relationship. Now you have kids who have friends in Australia, who have friends in Asia, who have friends in Africa, and they're all playing Fortnite together, have never met each other, only know each other's voices, 
And so to them, if you were to say that is in a relationship, they would say, you've lost your mind. That is one of the closest relationships I have with my friend who plays Fortnite with me in England. And so when we think about technology, uh, some of the uh, challenges that we face are helping people to know that even virtual relationships are authentic and that they're real and that they're meaningful. And so those can come across as it relates to the time of music and singing. Those can come across as it relates to the time of preaching. There are people who probably when we get back will say to me, well, preacher, I'm finally getting a word from you. And, but we've been preaching every week. It's just been a whole lot, you know. And they'll say the same thing to our worship team. I'm finally feeling the spirit now. You know, we're singing the same songs, but, you know, it's been virtual. But in their mind, there was no connection or not as deep of a connection. And then there will be other people who, when we come back face to face, will not feel as if they uh, missed a beat at all because virtually or in person is the same to them. Yeah. So, yeah, what I'm hearing you say is that uh, this relationship building that has happened because of COVID-19 um, is something that's a positive, you know, um, we, we've learned how to be in relationship even when we can't be in the same physical space with each other. And um, even worship has expanded in, in so many ways. So I think we're going to be keeping a lot of things that we're learning right now, um, even when we are able to reopen our churches in whatever capacity. So I'm wondering what you're thinking and what um, you and your leaders are thinking about. I'm going to keep this in the next stage of our church, um, even as we let some things fall away. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, some of the um, things around building more intimacy in worship and what does that look like. Um, scale is important, but um, we're also finding that giving people a, a deeper connection um, and more intimate connection is something that we've got to think a lot more about. We also have found in this uh, pandemic that people aren't necessarily looking for excellence. They're just looking for relationship and connection. And so there are times when we pushed in certain ways around a certain investment or a certain time frame or certain look and feel that now we realize wasn't as important. Uh, what is more important is that people feel we're authentic. People feel that we understand where they are and that we're not just this uh, community of faith that's disconnected uh, from where they are. We also will uh, likely keep more of the low-tech opportunities of calling individuals and checking in with them and uh, involving more of our congregation in that responsibility to really make sure people are okay and not just assume that they're okay uh, because you see them once a week or uh, a couple of times a month on Sunday. But what does it look like to be deeply engaged in people's lives throughout the week? So, Olu, we are so grateful that you have uh, taken time out of your busy schedule to come and hang out with us in this podcast. Some people may be hearing your voice for the very first time or hearing about Impact Church for the very first time. So for our listeners, what is it that you would uh, like to say to people as we prepare to end this conversation? What is it that you would want them to know? How do they find Impact Church? Uh, 
How do they contact the church, uh, the ministries? How do they find out more about this phenomenal ministry? Well, the easiest way is our, our website, impactdcd.org, and DCD stands for Doing Church Differently. Of course, you can find us on social media, Olu Brown on social media as well. And we would love to connect with you virtually or as things reopen in person. We're next door uh, to what used to be the busiest airport in the world uh, here in Atlanta, and we trust that uh, that will resume in uh, days to come. And so easy uh, to uh, get to some of the greatest interstates in the country go right through our city. And so we uh, love to connect and fellowship and grow together. And my word of encouragement to folks who are listening is uh, be encouraged and continue to trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge God and God will direct your path. And trust in yourself that you are the right leader for this moment and for this time, and that we will come through this pandemic stronger, wiser, and better than ever. Amen. Amen. Now I have to ask this last question, having lived near the uh, Hartsfield Airport. I hope you have a great acquisition uh, on your building project uh, with planes flying over the areas you're trying to worship and record. Yes. <laughs> and, and thankfully, we're not directly in the flight plan. Um, yeah. And so we uh, have done well uh, with that uh, since we moved into that property a right. few years ago. But there are parts uh, of Atlanta area where it is a noticeable uh, noise that you hear mm -hmm. quite consistently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, God bless you. God bless uh, the community that you serve. And we, we uh, want you to know that we are thinking about and praying for your ministry as you continue to impact the world. Uh, friends, we are so thankful for you joining us today. We hope that this conversation has been helpful to you. Remember that you can find more information about the United Methodist Church's Discipleship Ministries area at umcdiscipleship.org. So until next time, we'll be praying for you and we'll be praying with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.